Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host KB, and this podcast brings you the audio experience of GameDev.TV. Now, let's get right into the podcast. So a couple of other questions have come up in the chat. Somebody says, what else do we do apart from this? Nothing really, this is our full-time thing. Uh, we've also had a question, uh, what else is coming out? So there's a bit of a weird link there. It's not formatted very nicely, but at gdev.tv forward slash roadmap, that'll take you to a roadmap, read top left to bottom right of what's coming out. So uh, recently we finished the Blender animated lamp and uh, the first section of the math, math for games course. Building Escape is actually, that status is slightly out of date now. Building Escape is now complete. So I'll update that in a second. And then we have inventory, Rick. Tell them about inventory, RPG inventory. Ooh. We had our AMA. Sam and I were talking about that a couple of weeks ago. And all systems to do with the inventory, specifically for RPGs, but also for other games where you might want to keep track of equipment and what the player is carrying around, uh, moving, dragging and dropping from one slot to another, equipping, dropping on the ground, picking up things, having enemies drop loot. So that... That uh, course itself is launching this week or next week. I don't want to promise this week if Sam's sitting listening saying, no, Rick, I need a little bit more time. But uh, it's coming out very, very soon. And uh, it's the next part of our RPG series. And it's detailed. It's some sophisticated stuff in there. It's Sam Petuzzi at his greatest. So um, it's a good course to check out. Awesome. Thanks, Rick. So then beyond that, we have the Blender Game Asset Pack is going to get some love. The uh, Maths course is going to get a new section, Algebra and Equations. Um, and then the Fluffy Bunny and Blender need some love. Um, and yeah, on, on and up, up and on from there. What we're trying to work towards is dropping projects a little bit more often than we have in the past. We just need to get our machinery up to speed for that. So we've been doing a huge amount of work in the background to, to restructure and try and get to the point we can get you guys more projects more often is what we really want to want to do. So. Hopefully that helps. Have that. anyone Look else? At, yeah, oh, I was going to say, do we have anyone else? Roadmap. Sorry, Rick, delay oh, is coming. Sorry, Ben. Delay. We need to wave in our video chat when we're finished. Yeah. Over. That, we need that's an over delayed signal. as well. That's the problem. <laughs> um, I was just going to see if we have anyone else itching to ask a voice question. Uh, like, uh, yes. Um, when will the character and rigging course for Blender ever will be updated? because it's still hmm? yeah uh good question we don't have a specific date and time on that uh what i'm looking at at the moment with blender is uh specifically for the character course and the environment course is how many people are interested in it for a start mm -hmm. and then what what would make for a good a good learning journey and the the tricky thing with blender as you're seeing is we start creating a course and then blender brings out a new version and uh we find that people are interested in the new tools or we find that um you know there's confusion with the user interface so we've got a real challenge what version if we were to put more content into that character course do we do it in a newer version and then people who are working through in one version of blender there's a jump between version whatever two point something to mm -hmm. 2.8 something else 8.3 for understandable. example yeah yeah so I, I don't have a specific answer but it's definitely something we're looking at and something that will give you uh you know more content to the to making characters in blender in some way shape or form hopefully in the near future so that's a whole bunch of hopefully's and non-committals and not a very good answer to your question 
So one of the things we can do to make this all uh, more feasible is we, we, there's a new way of uh, releasing and pricing and charging our courses that we, we might be trying. I'll be really interested in your feedback straight away. You can put it in hash uh, AMA Feb if you like, uh, or you can uh, just reply in voice, which is we're considering trialing things like giving some of the very early content, potentially reducing the price of the early content and increasing the price of the later content. That's the, the mm-hmm. gist of it. So the people who don't take much of the course would pay less than they currently do, but the people who end up taking a lot of our content would pay a little bit more. Therefore, those people who want the more advanced content, the content that's on paid pro, uh, paid software, etc., would end up paying a bit more, but on average, people would pay a bit less. So I'd be interested in what your feedback on, on that is. Would people be willing to pay more for later content, later sections of a given course, provided they were paying less for the earlier stuff? Mm-hmm. All right. I don't know. That's a question. Is yeah. It, just to follow up on that, is it is there anything specific you would like to see or anything specific you would like us to know? For example, hey, I'm halfway through the course and it seems like it just stops. Or, hey, the old version of Blender isn't doing it for me. Or, hey, I really wish that we could do more on rigging so that we can understand where you're coming from. Is there any more that you can tell us about that? Well, or not. Yep. See, it seems like everyone's having a great time that I <laughs> The audio is, is the audio okay? It may I have gone a little bit funny. I'm going to pick up one or two of the questions in the in the in the chat here. Um, yeah. I might be a little bit random about it. Just a couple that have uh, caught my eyes. One here is saying, would you put um, lighting and nav mesh data um, into your uh, into your version control system? So that's from Sleepy Bear. Hello, Sleepy Bear. Are you hearing voice, Sleepy Bear, or do you want me to answer your question uh, just like anonymously? Okay, so I'll just uh, answer the question. So any generally, any information that can be recalculated, I wouldn't bother putting in version control. It's taking up space, and it's making it look like more has changed in your project than has. So unless you've got a specific workflow reason to say, I don't want to have to recalculate this stuff um, ever again, then I wouldn't store, I would exclude anything that is recalculatable, uh, which would normally include things like baked lighting and... Uh, n- nav mesh computations that have been done, etc. So generally, no, I wouldn't. Hopefully that answers your question. Rick, can you ha- can you see anything else in the chat there? Otherwise, okay. I'm going to pick one up from the pre-questions but that we yeah. before the AMA. In chat, and then you look for the pre's. How are you guys doing? I'm pretty tired because it's early in the day for me. Ben's possibly pretty tired because it's late in the day for him. The things, <laughs> the things we do for our community who we love dearly. So thanks for asking. We're doing pretty well, I think. Um... And here's a good one. Uh, question from I am real, I am fake. How does one get motivated to do the work and courses instead of lounging around and being lazy? Step one is go check out our Finish It course, which is all about being motivated and not lounging around being lazy. Uh, so it helps a bunch, I think, to give. There's dozens of techniques in there. For me, the main thing is to to know why you're doing it, to give a, to give a crap about basically about the work that you're doing if you don't care if there's no impetus if there's no thing that you're working towards then why would you do it you may as well just lounge around and have a good day there's nothing wrong with lounging around it's a perfectly good way to live your life it just means you won't get more skills and you won't uh get to wherever it is you're getting to so get really really connected and present to whatever it is that you're doing the work for and uh, make sure you're not doing it just because someone told you to do the work but uh, that's just one of a thousand. Ben, how do you get motivated? Well, one simple technique is just don't tell yourself that you're going to build a game. Tell yourself you're going to write one line of code. 
for example. Just tell yourself you're going to go to the computer and write the first line of code. You know, you're going to write a lot more than that. But it's it's that sometimes it's I'm I feel like I've got to go and do something and it feels like an ocean to boil. Um, so if you don't set that big goal, you just say, look, I'm going to do something ridiculously small and simple and it's going to be OK if that's all I do. You'll find that's not all you do. If you go to the computer and say, I'm just going to make one sprite or or just I'm going to set up and save my level or I'm going to anything simple I'm going to check it into version control you'll you'll have already broken the back you'll have got off your bottom and you'll have started doing something and you'll be surprised how far it goes from there so set your you know one option is to set your bar lower and create some momentum so lots and lots of strategies you mm -hmm. can try that one also awesome. goodies asking about is rpg part two coming we did kind of cover that before um but no problem asking again so um basically the next part of the rpg is the inventory section rick has already spoken to that and it's on our roadmap i'll give you a link to the roadmap so that's that yep did you find a question from the pre-questions you wanted to jump into yeah, I can do that. So uh, one question from Jaden Kerr is he won't he's not going to be able to be at this event, but he's given us a cool YouTube video about uh, games with powerful shadow mechanics. So um, I'm just going to paste that in the chat. Like, well, that's an example of a shadow game right there. You may have heard of it. Philosophobia, um, philo, philophobia, sorry, philophobia. Um, and then fear, the fear of love created by uh, Tim Ruswick. Cool. Wow. So an example blog on this topic, which is lines of sight and how can you calculate this? There's loads of them, but here's one to start with. So hopefully, uh, Jaden, when you watch this back, those two links there will, will give you some idea and some help. So cool. All right. So that's is, one, of the, uh, uh, Tim, one of the pre-questions. Just, just on that, for Jaden, when he's listening later, uh, Tim has, uh, he twitches live on uh, Twitch. I guess that's where you twitch uh, quite regularly. So if you were to jump in and ask him about that during one of his live twitches, you could you could get right in there and see how he creates that um, that particular mechanic. I think he's working on a different game now, but uh, you could definitely go straight to the source with Philophobia and ask him all about it. Probably with Ape Out as well. I think that was a, an indie game made by by one or a handful of guys. So just go straight to the creators of games and see what they've got to say. Cool. Thanks, Rick. Cool. Yep. There's a comment here. You guys are amazing. Oh, thanks very much. And thanks for joining us on the chat. Terminator 101, great to have you with us. This is why we do it, so we can hang out with you guys and talk to our lovely community. So one of the questions come up is, are Rick and I going to produce content? Um, and the, I struggle with this. I'd I like to. I like producing content. The thing is that I've got so many communication lines. There's about 12, 12 to 15 people who, who work with us on a daily basis now. And it has been that most of them call, uh, communicate straight to me. And that doesn't help me get any work done. So um, we're sorting that out. We're improving things internally so that I can leave some space. I probably would like to be producing at about a third of a full-time you know instructors rate so that would be seeing a project from me every every few months two or three a year rather than like full-time i'm not sure what the next thing will be uh, or whether there'll be a next thing but if it's not from me it'll be from somebody that we've nurtured and trained and made sure are awesome um rick for you uh you will be producing more stuff what do you think you're going to get your teeth into next don't make me promise this. I'm very apprehensive. Well, oh, I'm going to do the such and such. And then people, uh, they re you guys remember. You're so good at remembering. Um, but there's a few things we need. We you know need what we need? That finish. thing from, sorry to interrupt. We need that thing from Men in Black. <laughs> yep. So we can say, we're going to do this <laughs> by, by tomorrow. And then you get that little thing. You wave in front of their eyes and say, we didn't say this. 
<laughs> you said the inventory course first week of February. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the part of what we've been doing for a little while now is finishing on our promises. And it really haunts us when we say we're going to complete something or do something or we've made a promise to our community and then it's not quite done. So that that explains a little bit of why we're not getting new courses out there is because we're trying to complete all of the things that we've already committed to. The RPG is a good example of that. That takes a lot of Sam's time to do properly. Um, and there's a lot of lot of things where we're trying to uh, update our course from an older version of a software to a new version of the software. Unreal is a good example of that. I see a question here saying, uh, when will the updated Unreal uh, content be out? We're working on it. We're moving with as much velocity as we can at the moment. Um, but uh, we both, we all, I think all of the folks on the team desperately want to be creating new content because, uh, you know, we love to do that. Yeah, people some time ago, they said, can't you just clone, you know, clone you guys? And we're effectively trying to do that. It's called setting up a sense of proper business and making sure that the thing that I don't believe what Rick or I or, or Sam or anybody else does is, is magic. It's just that there's a formula to it and that we need to communicate that and help other people with it. So uh, watch out for more people like Gary up and coming in the maths um, doing just as awesome. Sam, job. Sam's a little bit magic. You've seen Sam's hair. That's the source of his magic. It's kind of like a who is the Greek god whose hair Samson. gave him magical programming? Right. Well, no, no coincidence there, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, he maybe, maybe he, maybe Sam is the son of Samson. I think it was Samson. Anyway, if he, I'm wrong, uh, somebody correct me. Um, question. Uh, this is a good one for you, Ben, because I'm not exactly sure on this at the moment. Where can we post a poll or similar to get idea of numbers who want a course? So, how do people register their vote to say, please create this particular course? Yeah, we don't have that mechanism as tight as we'd like it. So um, Kickstarter, obviously, when that comes out, that's a major way of doing that. But in terms of um, a more minor way, I would like you to I'd like people to sign up to like a, a notification list, do something a bit more than just click a poll, maybe give an email to say, yeah, I'm interested in this topic and keep us up to date in that topic. Um, we're thinking about about that. We need to. We need to organize all that stuff and actually act on it. We've had this before. We had something powered by a system called user voice that would try and collate all our ideas. But the frustration was, and have people vote on them, but the frustration was we weren't getting to things anywhere near as quickly as we'd like to. So uh, watch this space on that. I've got a big time marketing initiative and part of that's gonna be making sure we build what you guys want. Uh, I'm not sure what the mechanism will be, but we hear you and we will start to provide lower uh lower what do you call it commitment ways of backing the idea that we should do a project than a kickstarter because a kickstarter says we'll make this massive course and it'll take a year to make we'd like you to be able to say no just make a project you know make a make a shadow game in 2d or make a real-time strategy with a few, whatever it is um and make a single project and, and have some way of like backing that and helping us prioritize what you want to see next um so we'll find a way of doing that ben uh on our pre-questions, we have Sandri and we have Eric and probably a few others asking generally about Godot. What's our intention with the Godot course? They've enjoyed that we've taught Godot. What's the plan with C Sharp uh, and with Godot in general? Yeah, so I would, I would like to keep supporting Godot longer term. We've just got to do it in proportion to everything else. Um, we've already got good Godot content out there that Jan made. We, at some point, need to, to refresh the Godot content. Uh, as for the C-sharp side of it, it needs to be done from scratch rather than a conversion, we've realized. So trying to take the existing GD script projects and convert them into C-sharp doesn't make any sense. That's a use case nobody would ever 
sensibly do it'd be better to build new projects in general we've got this whole feeling about let's just make new projects not if we've made project boost like somebody's posted never make project boost again we can make you know i don't know thrust three or you know we can't do that for copyright reasons but we can always make another game with a very similar spirit but we don't need to repeat exact projects more than once so in that same vein we can make a c sharp c sharp godot games potentially that are, are different projects but the question is is there enough demand for that and at the moment there just isn't enough people godot is a niche on its own and then c sharp within godot is a niche within a niche that there's no commercial reason to do it the reason to do it is the promises we've had it out there and it's one of these horrible promises that rick tells us uh, and it's just telling you about that's hanging over us so um this comes back to the previous question about voting on projects what i'd like to just simply get to is a long list of projects which includes by the way replacing projects in existing courses so for example project boost is sitting there in the unity 3d course it's in i think unity 2017 now does that sound right rick i haven't got the list in front of me 17. Yeah, and so that's starting to age a little bit. And then you've got something else over in a certain version of Blender and you've got something else in a certain version of Unreal. And then you've got, you know, the new projects. We could have this in the new version of Unity or we could have a different project. And Godot C-sharp project would sit in that list. And the question is, how far down the list is it? Um, and we have to weigh that off with the fact that it's been promised and do we, when do we fulfill that promise? At some point, we must fulfill it. We feel like we have to make good on that. Or if we don't, we ask your permission to not fulfill it and say, look, can we just say sorry we can't deliver on that and what do you want to do about it you know and, and how can we compensate you how can we make good what can we give you uh, to, to make good so really we need to see where it comes up the priority list i think there's a few vocal people who love that sort of thing doing a bit more godot content in the longer run if we can find a good instructor for it good, good plan doing godot c sharp tricky um really tricky to, to prioritize doing that um, those people who really want that just reach out through lucy lucy at game dev tv and let's start a conversation about what we can do for you to um, to help you with your goals without actually creating good OC Sharp content in the near future. Because the reality is that that's quite a long way down our list, given that there's so many other things that need refreshing and improving that come up more often. So. Haven't talked about a huge amount is the production rate of a of a professional online instructor, and we've talked to lots of different people who create courses whether it's on udemy or other places and the average tends to be that a full-time professional instructor is producing one finished published video per day and through different phases of the process they'll be creating zero or they might be creating two or three because generally there's a lot to do to prototype particularly when there's code involved prototype it make sure it works make sure there's no bugs make sure that it's going to work when we teach it uh, and then it's all tight and buttoned up and then to, to actually record it maybe it takes a take or two if you're pretty slick at these things you can get it done with one take then there's some editing and then there's the process of uploading and making sure that the discussions are set up and the descriptions written and then there's the the quality assurance to have someone else watch through it make sure that you haven't there's no typos or misspeaks or you've accidentally been cursing at your children at the wrong time and forgot that you didn't edit that out uh, and then there's the process of students going through and watching it and saying, oh, hang on a minute, but you missed this or that doesn't work or I can't get this to work with a, a newer version of the software. So that whole process takes quite a bit of time to deliver something that's high standard and high quality. And that's our ultimate goal is to produce content, which is the best content rather than just kind of 
dumping it out there and hoping for the best because uh, that's not a good experience for students. That's wasting students' time. So when when you see us and you're like, why aren't these go- guys going quicker? Generally, it's because to do something properly, it's a video or two a day is kind of the velocity that we can move. And if you look at our big courses, they might have it's, it's two or 300 average, videos in not, them. Not even that much, is it? Because on average, our internal benchmark is 60 videos over 90 days. So all told, everything in, we kind of get more like two-thirds of a video a day when you, when you include all the gaps and everything else involved. That's true. So we sprinted. Work we days, sprinted. So that, yeah, work days. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely a video or work day. Work day. Yeah. So five, five days a week yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, it's quick thing. A week. That's, that's a good plan. <laughs> One quick thing. Weekend, Sorry, I think weekends, ask. what are they? Um, okay, so remember me from earlier? I'm the person that has probably that was having problems with Unity. Oh yes, yes. welcome yeah. back. Ah, oh, the memories, the memories. It's been so long. We've missed you. <laughs> okay, so the your guys's one will open multiple times, but I think that's because it's a different version of Unity. I had to open it with okay. nineteen point three point. Zero F six. Right. Okay. Difficult um, realm, which is versions of Unity and potentially your computer drivers and potentially older code and like there's a lot of variables in there. Have you uninstalled and reinstalled these versions of Unity that are causing your problems? Yes. Should I uninstall the Unity Hub and try reinstalling that? Probably wouldn't make any difference. It could. It, it shouldn't. Shouldn't make a difference. Literally just installs the Unity project. Working for uh, you in 2019, then um, then then it's working. It could just be one of those things that is out of everyone's control. It's a Unity thing. Um, there's you, a really um, good challenge for you here if you are working in 2019 to to understand the differences in 2019 and to update the projects you're working on. True. If that makes sense. Yeah. So the other question for you, Sky- Skylar, right? Is that right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah. So Skylar, is it will will our older projects upgrade for you when you open them and it says, "Oh, this is an older project." Will it actually do the upgrade, or does it crash after it does the upgrade? Okay. So the one that I the one that I think it was Ben sent in chat when I downloaded that, it said, "Hey, you have to upgrade it because you don't have the right version." And I was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to install the newest one that's not a beta or an alpha. And then once I upgraded it, I opened it, closed it, and opened it again, and it worked. It worked worked all of the times. So something about projects you're creating are corrupting, which is yes, strange. Um, trying to think what that could be. Leave it with me. Let's take a few more questions. I'll try and think of some other things that are worth doing. Um, I would ask whether you're having any other problems on your machine, whether you're possibly getting some corruption when you're writing to your disk. So um, do you have any other yeah. issues with any other files or anything? It's just restricted here to Unity. No, nope. it's only Unity. I'll try making a project on this version and see what happens. Yeah, have a go at that. Come back to us. Cool. Any other questions? Yeah. Cool. Uh, I, I will have a question. Awesome, go for it. Yep. Uh, it's kind of a personal. Uh, how does one get into the video game industry? Uh, 
Um, so firstly, you want that course there, which we've made for you in hash, um, in hash uh, AMA Feb. Rick has made a whole course about that. And Rick, you should answer the question. I assume you're asking how do you get employed as opposed to how do you start your own indie indie game business. If you want to be an indie game developer, make games and sell those games, then the way to start is by just starting to make games and obviously learning how to do that and getting better at it. If you're talking about how do you get a job, then first which, of all, you need one, to... Which one are you talking about, by the way? Uh, I, I would most prefer a job, uh, but I'm still a bit Yep. Uh, I'm sure about that because I live in a smaller country in Europe and I don't think that there are many studios here and well most uh, studios I know of are either in America or the closest one is Poland named CD Projekt Red and I don't know how uh, are there even internships and such like uh, how, how is it possible for mm -hmm. me to start somewhere Where do you live in uh i live in hungary and i currently study economic informatics but i'm mainly interested in video game design and i like to work with uh, game programming gameplay programming cool so you've got three or four elements in your situation let me touch on a couple of those and this is great if anyone else is listening that's in a similar situation the first, <laughs> the first element is uh, you need to know this is the role that I'm interested in and I'm, I'm trying to make myself very employable in this role. For example, as a gameplay programmer, you might be interested in programming and interested in gameplay and that's your thing. So for you to identify that's what I'm targeting, you can then say, what do I need to be able to do very, very well to impress an employer? What qualifications do I need? What proof of my ability do I need? And then you go about the journey of getting really good at that. If you're really, really good as a gameplay programmer, you can get a job as a gameplay programmer. You can overcome certain hurdles. One hurdle is being able to work in another country. So let me talk about that. It like The honest truth here, the blunt truth is if you are looking to work in say Europe or sorry, Western Europe. So maybe the UK or France or Germany, or it could be the US or Canada, or it could be Australia. And you don't currently have the right to live in that country. So for example, you don't have a work permit or citizenship. It's incredibly difficult. You have to be very experienced and very good and maybe have five or six or seven years experience already making games and producing games there won't be any sort of internship at all unless unless you win some sort of prize where they say hey we're going to give a prize to a particular person some some very random uh, competition i don't know of any of those i'm just making that up but it's incredibly difficult as an entry level person to get a job in another country nearly impossible i would say so you need to then get really good. If you get really good at being a gameplay programmer, then you can go to them and say, hey, I'm experienced doing this. How do you get very good? You make games and you can make your own games, your own indie games. You can create them. You can publish them. If you have a game that's been a hit that has really uh, well thought out gameplay and you can prove, look at my programming skills here, then you can apply for a position that could be more of an intermediate or advanced programmer position and you have an opportunity of getting sponsored to do that. 
Awesome. I've also posted uh, the Wikipedia in hash in the hash AMA Feb a list of three. There's only three in Wikipedia uh, computer game companies listed in Hungary, but there are some com- companies in Hungary. Um, what else to tell you? Obviously, the get a job course. Uh, yeah, get really good at something, and then it won't matter where you are. You get good enough, and you know people invite you to other countries. Get good enough. Again, they may even consider you work remote working. The problem with remote working with games often is that it's so hard to get the uh, the, to get the assets moved around, the big assets moved around, that you often some you often can't do it. It's going to depend on the company. With an indie studio with smaller asset bases, you might well be able to use a distributed system. But with a big, with a bigger studio with huge assets, sometimes that's just not possible because they can't get the data to you. I know this sounds like a very long road, but the best way to be working in the games industry, if you're from a, a country like Hungary where there's not a, a big um, you know, big opportunities is to start your own thing. If you've got the ability to support yourself while you do that, you know, live, live in the basement with your parents, so to speak, find one or two friends who are interested. That's the best way. Then you're, you're doing it. You're making games, you're making games potentially for a living. If you can make good games and uh, it takes time, but that's, that's the number one way to succeed at doing that. Much for that question. Appreciate that. Getting a few people asking about, uh, well, actually, no, we're getting Vimo asking about, are we going to do UE4 tools or plugins? So I'm going to say this goes back to us creating you a way of voting on what projects we want. So it'll be something like the roadmap I've just reshared there. Um, and what we'd like to do is create a mechanism for you to say, I'm really interested in X and prove that by parting with an email address, maybe part, maybe pre-purchasing it for a small amount of money. Um, so we can really start to prioritize. What I'm really feeling is there's a huge appetite for content and we need to just have more of us producing. The real solution to this stuff is to have enough of us producing that we can try these things low risk, nice and fast, um, make small projects, get them out there, get people's feedback, rather than it taking ages and ages for us to get to stuff. So we're, we're trying to ramp up. We're trying to get a few more people on board um, so that we really can get a bit more, a bit more done. Um, Definitely interested in things like UE4 tools, plugins, um, because it's a big, hungry vertical. So, uh, If it's okay with you, I want to just smash through a few of these uh, questions. We've got way up the top of our chat. Uh, first of all, the inventory course, when's it coming out? Uh, in the next week or two, are you going to release the rest of the RPG course? Uh, so, And where? On Udemy. Yep, Udemy next week or two. And, and also on Game Dev TV. We'll be releasing it there. If you back the original RPG Kickstarter, you get all of the RPG content, no matter what, uh, forever and ever, all that kind of good stuff. If you didn't, then you will need to buy each course by course. Uh, Are they going to be separately? We expect there'll be one or two more courses. So each individual feature won't be separate. Uh, The inventory system actually consists of about eight or nine different systems. So inventory is a grouping of things. And we still have other groupings like our dialogue and quest system that likely will be grouped together. So uh, yes, you'll need to buy them separately, but we're not planning on releasing 15 individual things. Uh, There's just going to be a handful of them. Uh, Quickly jumping through. uh, Solid, let's say I want to make a third-person dungeon crawler hack and slash type game, uh, or really any game. Would there be a general development cycle I should follow? My, from a game design point of view, find the number one most important thing in your game and make that first. And usually the number one most important thing is movement. You've got to be able to move. You you don't go and make a fancy, amazing um, explosion system if you can't actually move. So move someone around in the dungeon. 
And then the next most important thing is to be able to hit them. And so run up to them and hit them. So create that combat moment. And then you ask yourself, what's the next most important thing? And in a lot of games, you get through two or three or four of these features. And then you say, oops, I've run out of time. It's time to launch my game. And if you can make a game that is really fun and enjoyable with the first one or two or three features, you don't need all the other things. So that would be my answer to that. Solid, hopefully that uh, helps you with your development cycles. Any you've got, Ben, or shall I keep smashing through these? I'm just trying to find the extras uh, course so that I can just make sure people know where the recording is going to end up. So um, it's changed names. So I'm just going to find that and get okay. the link. If anybody else has got a link to the extras course, uh, you'll probably get it before I do, which is daft. But um, yeah. yeah, so you, if you take one more while I do that, yeah. just so people know where the recording of this is going to end up. I mean, sneaking and take two more because uh, one's quick holly is asking how do you avoid getting stuck when you're writing a game how do you stay motivated so we talked about motivation a little bit earlier in the call and we recommend that recommended the finish it course that's a good place for that uh writing a game if you're talking about uh, dialogue writing that's a little bit different to talking about writing as in programming writing but how do you stay motivated take a break walk around uh, you know connect with the real world uh, make sure that you, um, you're getting other people's input and feedback and also promise people that you'll do something by a certain date. Hey, I'm going to have this, uh, this thing written by the end of the week and I'm going to show it to you. And if I don't, I'm going to, uh, you know, run around town. Uh, I don't know. I was going to say naked. That's not probably appropriate for our audience. Uh, run around town wearing something hilarious for people to make fun of me. I don't know, something that is a, a negative consequence. So set yourself deadlines and then have a reason to stick to them. It's the that best thing, like I think. a positive consequence for me. It sounds fun. <laughs> wear, wear a dress and high heels and makeup. It's like, Ben, no, 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 you failed your mission that. again. That's like five times in a row. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, no, you yeah, weren't going there? <laughs> no, no, I wasn't going Did there. I say too much? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You've, you've let the... Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Next quick one from Michael, ING789. How do you get started with fixing and modifying the Godot engine on your own from their GitHub? I've been looking at the docs and API, but it seems hard to figure out where to start. And will you ever cover modules and GD native in the Godot course? I'm not sure about the answer to that one, Ben. That seems a bit more specific to knowing the Godot course itself. Fixing and modifying the Godot engine on your own from their GitHub, the actual engine. Okay, so yes, you can build Godot engine from scratch. The documentation for how to do that for Windows, I'll give you is here. Um, you basically need to just go through and follow the instructions. Um, I, If you're really struggling to build it, then I don't know if you're in a position to be modifying it at this stage, because I don't know whether they'll accept your pull requests. If if you say, I mean, I'm not being rude, but I'm just saying that if you're if you're asking a question like how do I how do I go about modifying it, you're probably not you you probably need to take a few steps back um, and not expect for your work you do on the engine to necessarily be incorporated into the engine at this stage. You'd have to earn your trust into the into the community. But there's a link to to physically how you would start doing it, for example, on Windows. Um, and yeah, it's an awesome thing to do if you can do that. You're just going to have to build up to it and do some really basic things to start with, you know, become a trusted contributor and uh, and so on. So 
yeah, hopefully that answers that. The other things about modules and native and, and, and et cetera, it's going to be one of the lower priority projects down our list. But again, if we have a vocal, not only vocal community, but a community that's willing to to part with some money, perhaps before we even make the sections, then that's a way that we can... Um, we, we might be able to produce a mechanism like of mini internal Kickstarters and say something like, you know, if, if a few hundred or a few thousand or certain benchmark of people actually pre-purchase this course, then we'll make this, this, this section rather, this project, then we'll make the project. And if they don't, well, then you, you, don't, you get your money back or something like that. Maybe a way of us uh, really knowing what to, what to prioritize. So, yeah, back to that, really. Now, our first priority at the moment is to get back into just regular maintenance, maintenance of all our cool stuff. So replacing projects in all the existing courses, not uh, not reworking them, but creating new projects that teach the same thing. So you get a constant flow of new projects, really getting our production up to speed. What I would like to do is get us to three projects per month that we release. Um, I'm not sure the time scale that might take us a year to get there. It might take us months. It um, might take us two years. But that's one of the first stopping points is to release you three new projects a month. Um, and I would I would expect that one or two of those would be replacing projects in existing courses. Um, so a lift and shift teaching the same thing, like instead of project boost, you've got something else that teaches the same stuff. And then one of those, one or two of those would be new stuff. And that's where we're going to get to explore the new stuff. Um, yeah. uh, question from Penguin99124. Uh, finishing high school, want to study game coding and game design. I'm searching for a university around the world. I found DigiPen. Would you recommend that or is there any other university that I can apply to? So, <clears throat> pardon me. We're not in a position to recommend a specific university or universities. Um, you know, we don't have a list to say, hey, go check these out. For me, the number one criteria when you're looking at a game school is to ask who the instructors are. If the instructors are people who currently work in the in game development studios, then you know they're going to be up to date and they're, they're going to know what they're talking about. If you get a whole bunch of people who used to work in game development studios like 20 years ago or or they've they come from an architecture background, then you need to dig deeper and see what it is that they're teaching. Ask for the curriculum, ask for um, you know ask for lessons that you can look at, etc. Now, why do I say it's important that they work in studios is because, in my opinion, the number one reason to go to game school is for the network. The network so you can meet people and and, and uh, be work very hard during your time there, make a good impression, and then when it comes time to get a job, you, you've already kind of done a pre-interview by knowing that person. If you're going to a place that doesn't have a network, in other words, it doesn't have people who can introduce you to game studios straight away, then you, you may as well be learning online or learning through another mechanism that might not cost as much money or take so long. If you're self-motivated, you don't need to necessarily go to a university. You can find all the information elsewhere. But if you're the sort of person who wants to meet other people, work in a team, um, and and you know have everything laid out for you with good deadlines to follow, then universities or schools can be pretty handy. Um, yeah, but dig into it. They, my experience with game schools is that um, they are happy if you're willing to pay the money, they're happy to take whoever you are so long as you've got some basic fundamentals. So really put them through the test. Really test everything about them. Who are they? What are they teaching? How? Why? Um, what do you get out of it? Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and um, you know, give them a real interview them is what I'm saying. So hopefully that answers that question. Anyone wondering about schools? 
And obviously, Ben and I are going to say, take the Game Dev TV content and really apply yourself, make your own games. And that is, in many ways, uh, right up there with a, one of the best educations you can get. You just got to really put the effort in, you know, and not expect people to hold you. But you're going to need to do that when you get out on your whether you're in a job trying to get up it up the ladder or whether you're trying to run your own studio. You're going to need that level of initiative uh, and taking responsibility for your own development. So um, practice on our courses. Yeah, we've got about 10 yeah. minutes to go, um, something like that. So we'll try and finish uh, at 55 minutes so that we uh, it doesn't quite look like an hour on the video for the replay because that scares people off. So let's keep going. Any voice questions would be good. We haven't had a voice question for a while. Hello. Hi there. Hi there. <laughs> Loads okay. of them. So one at a time. Okay. Yeah, that guy can go first. Okay. That's very polite of you. You're almost oh, as polite as you. English people. Okay, so yeah, I just have a small question. Uh, with the um, project boost part of the... Um, when With the um, rocket ship prefab, I'm assuming that it's just because I have a newer version of Unity and they probably got rid of it, but it has an arrow next to the side of it, and it's really useful because you can see all the childs. It's a part of it. I can send a picture if you would yeah, so you're talking about nested pre... You're probably doing project boost in a version of Unity that's implemented nested prefabs? Um, it might be. Let me send the picture. Okay, cool. For Unity, yeah. are you using... Just that arrow. I don't think they have um, used that anymore. Yeah, this is because Unity's moved to a nested prefab system, I think, I think is what you're experiencing here. So it didn't used to be possible to put a prefab under a prefab. The RPG course will show you how to use nested prefabs and any future Udemy, uh, Udemy, Unity content uh, where nested prefabs are appropriate will start using. So you'll start to see that roll out. That's a fairly major change in Udemy and it's a useful facility. So I think that's, what, I think that's why you're seeing that difference. Okay, thanks. Cool. Okay, so anyway, who is going to ask a question? Dodgy Rocky. Okay, yeah. yeah. So anyway, the one question I was going to ask, and this is a little bit on the subjective side, because you know I'm I'm in the process of getting my own projects done, so I'm a, a little farther ahead. But how much, do, uh, on a personal note, do you think a game's success is based upon its presentation? I mean, like, like a perfect example would be Pandemic, like the original Flash game versus plague inc um so i'm sure rick will have plenty to say on that i i would i would say that it it's about whether it serves the need of the experience you're trying to create for the player so they get games games very massively there's some really rubbish looking games and some amazing looking games um, it's not really you can't just say make it look amazing it's just got to fit the experience you're trying to give the player and sometimes that is have it a little bit jagged a little bit basic but rick will put that a lot more eloquently things that no, is no going pressure. to have your game yeah no pressure uh i love this stuff i can talk about this for hours don't worry uh two things i'll keep it i'll keep it tight two things when you're making a game that's going to decide whether your game is a success one is if you show someone a 10 second video do they look at it and go wow that's cool i want to play that so that's your marketing side of things and that 10 seconds of wow can come from having the graphics look awful, having the graphics look amazing, having a gameplay feature that's wow, doing something completely unexpected. It doesn't have to be beautiful graphics, but beautiful graphics is one way to do that. And the other thing that's going to have your game be successful is if people love playing the game and have a consistent experience. 
Ben was touching on this. So what's it mean to have a consistent experience? Say you're making a, a pandemic-y, plaguey kind of game, then it's all about keeping your population alive while something is spreading. So every aspect, the music, the graphics, the gameplay, the dialogue, the name, it has to support that experience. So when someone's playing it, they feel like they really are, you know, in a, in a panic to avoid the plague, so to speak. Uh, so a great experience, but also having a 10-second wow. Graphics, one part of that, but doesn't have to be the entirety of it. I think Minecraft taught us a big lesson. With the graphics there, you wouldn't say are super high quality, super high detailed, but at the time were fresh, a little bit different, a little bit interesting, a little bit noteworthy, and that game did somewhat okay in the market. You know, I think it, it made its money back. So that's an example, and that's the way I view graphics nowadays. Okay. You know, I would uh, awesome. At... So for this, check out, <coughs> one person to check out is Subset Games, um, who've written both Faster Than Light and Into the Breach. And they're a great example of where they have gone for a very consistent experience. They haven't put a huge amount of effort into graphics but at all, but they put a huge amount of effort into gameplay programming, for example, and, and play tuning. So Into the Breach is a very, the most basic kind of turn-based strategy. It's XCOM, but stripped right down. And you won't believe how much fun Into the Breach is, given how basic it is. Yeah. It's incredible. And they, you know, you just got to know where to put your resources. And there's no good having a shiny game. There's a load of, load of other real-time strategies like that, the turn-based strategies that just aren't as fun to play. And maybe, maybe if they'd have put the budget some of the budget from sound and graphics into gameplay testing and, and, and play balancing and all the rest of it, then they'd have been done better. better. So, uh, yeah. Has, okay. has who been hacked? Awesome. No, I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I've got Yang in there asking if we've been hacked. I wonder who that is. <laughs> um, oh, elaborate. <laughs> Yang, are you available in voice? I haven't spoken to you for years. Or are you on mobile? I'm seeing you're on mobile, so maybe you're not. Anyway. I think Zessix is Yang anyway, if he doesn't mind. Yeah, it's, it's uh, Yong. Ah, it says, it says, Yang Pulse, pronounced Yong. Yeah. There you go. Cool. No, so not available. Uh, oh. Do you guys mind touching on the order of header files? Um, the order of header files. Probably doing this AMA. I think one of the other questions was, are we going to do an AMA that is specific to Unreal? Uh, probably rope uh, Sam into that and do one. So you, uh, yes, we might do an, uh, an Unreal specific, but I think that talking about order of header files when probably 60%, 70% of people on the call wouldn't benefit from it. We're, that's my excuse for not going into the technicals and embarrassing myself anyway. But yeah, let's do one. <laughs> Let, let's do an AMA more we'll to it. Unreal at some point before too long. I think that's a cool, cool idea. Yeah. Would you guys consider making a course on random level generation? We'd love to. It's one of our, uh, let's do it at some point, but I don't, I can't give you a specific on when that will happen, but yes, we'd love to do that sometime in the future. I'm trying to smash through a few of these so we can get some extra questions done. How do you get out of tutorial hell? Take the project you're working on in the tutorial and modify it a little bit. Make it a little bit different, make it your own. That's how you get out of just constantly following tutorials. Uh, don't try to do something completely from scratch necessarily, but modify it and make it your own. Uh, trying to get my foot in the door. Any advice on first jobs? Well, we talked a little bit about that before. Take the job course, uh, have a skill that you're really good at, and then prove your value. Create an artifact. If you're not sure what an artifact is, then come join uh, me and Ben over on the job course, and we'll talk all about artifacts. And then you'll be like, my goodness, why have I not done this in the past? 
Uh, Unity multiplayer course, we get asked this a bunch, not at the moment, but uh, it's on our wish list, uh, but not at the moment. Yeah, multiplayer and mobile are two things that we know that we we know we need to get to. So, what else we got? Uh, questions, questions, questions. Uh, any more of the pre questions, Ben, that we didn't get to? They probably should be a bit of a priority. Uh, there's one or two. Let me just go back to them and just see if we can get a couple that we won't answer in this one because we could leave for a more more specialized AMA. I'll yep. just see if there's any others. True, and marking so the ones we've answered. Yeah, there was one from Hanu oh, Sahonen, Sahonen, I'm going to say. Really enjoying the courses, close to finishing the Unity 2D courses and about to start the more advanced Unity RPG course. I was wondering, what is the state of the RPG course? Will there be a part two? I think we have answered that earlier in the AMA. See the roadmap, inventory shipping very, very soon, mm -hmm. um, and then there'll be more pro uh, modules to come out soon after that. So, Cool. Uh, I'm in a programming college course. This is from Syncros, uh, on programming course, focusing on C Sharp, C++, and C. Which programming language would you recommend to begin learning to develop games? Well, it sounds like you've got <laughs> that you've got three that you're going to be learning, so that's cool. C Sharp or C++ are pretty standard uh, languages, so it sounds like you've, you're in the right place. All good. If you're a Unity guy, then C Sharp. If you're an Unreal guy, then C++. Here, Ben... Yep. Um, uh, so I'm just wondering why he's, uh, why Yong is asking whether we've been hacked or not. Um, but no, he probably so I've oh. been so probably <laughs> been so long <laughs> since worried. we've done an AMA that um, <laughs> that maybe uh, that maybe oh, okay. he's wondering. So all right, I think we should probably wind up. I just want to make sure oh, okay. that by yep. the time we've kind of tailed this off properly, that it ends up less than an hour. So um, otherwise, people will get scared and not watch the recording. So it's been awesome. Yeah, so our, our apologies if we didn't get to your Sorry, question. Ben, lag again. I was just going to say, our apologies if we didn't get to your question. I know there's a bunch more questions in the chat. We'll get to those next time. It gives you an incentive to come along and ask them next time to us. Yeah, awesome. All right, cool. Um, ah, so I've, I've got to the bottom of what Yang is asking. I think I may have posted accidentally a direct message to him rather than in the chat about subset games. So... Um, I'll repost that to the main channel, to the AMA channel now, and uh, see you guys on the next one. We will be doing them more regularly because Lucy's in charge of it now, which means it will get done. Um, so, yeah, that's all good news, and we'll see you see you shortly. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. You can find all GameDev.TV courses at courses.gamedev.tv slash courses or in the show notes with a 10% discount. Get started with your game development journey today.